someone asked the question, Jesus said the kingdom is at hand when he came the first time. If the people would have accepted that, would the kingdom of God come to earth at that moment? It's a hypothetical question. We're going to talk about it. Stay tuned. So we have been talking about the kingdom of God, and we have come to Mark chapter 1, where Jesus says that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The time is come. Now, the, this to unpack this verse is several hours of teaching, and our intent right now is not to unpack this verse. Our intent right now is to just understand that Jesus was announcing, as did John the Baptist, and as did Jesus tell the disciples when he sent them out, they were announcing that the kingdom is at hand. It, it's here. Well, one reason the kingdom is there is because Jesus is the king. And when the king is there, the realm goes with the king. Uh, however, we all know that they rejected him. Now, the hypothetical question that we've already discussed briefly is, um, if they would have accepted and embraced him as the Messiah, would the kingdom of God come right then? And the, and the, the truth of the matter is, is that the answer is yes, but it is a hypothetical answer. And there's many things that had to take place for the transformation of the world, one primarily being the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we go back to God knew that they were going to reject uh, the first coming of Jesus, but God did not make them reject him. So this gets into a big discussion about predestination and did they even have a choice and and the truth is of course they had a choice uh, but the fact that God knew what their choice was going to be didn't mean that God made them make the choice or that God in his sovereignty mandated that they make that choice that's not true so they made the choice and so because of rejection of the king the kingdom in its final form and its consummating form, meaning both the spiritual aspect of the kingdom and the physical uh, geopolitical aspect of the kingdom. That's the consummating form where Jesus has, is on the throne, literally, that there is a physical Jesus with a, with a heavenly body, a, a transformed earthly body, if you please, that we don't know what he is like, what that body is like, but we do know, John said, that we are going to be like him. So he will be on the throne. The The Bible predicts that the uh, capital of the world will be Jerusalem and that all of the concourse of business and of life will interact in and out of Jerusalem. There's some specific scripture on this, and I'll talk about this later. There's there's an enormous amount to talk about when we start the subject of the kingdom of God. When we got into this subject, 
um, you can't get out easy unless you leave a whole lot of stuff out. So we won't cover every single scintilla of the subject, but we do want it to be a full and holistic look uh, of what the Bible actually tells us about the kingdom of God. So uh, because of the rejection of the king, it is a rejection of the kingdom when they rejected Jesus. And so it came at Pentecost in its spiritual form. The kingdom of God is within you. Um, uh, you must be born again of spirit and water. Uh, these, are, these are the spiritual part of the kingdom of God. The blessing of the spiritual part of the kingdom of God that was promised to Abraham and his descendants, according to Galatians chapter 3 and verses 7, verse 14, verse 29, uh, all of those verses emphasize, especially verse 14 emphasizes that the uh, spiritual promises of God orbit around the blessings of the promise of the Holy Ghost. And so in the reception of being filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit-filled, uh, which happened on the day of Pentecost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that's the core foundation upon which the spiritual kingdom of God actually comes into a person and dwells in the governmental form of the kingdom in its spiritual context is that it is dwelling inside of each individual, making them the dwelling place of God, the temple of God, each individual. And that's why Paul said, what know ye not that your body is the temple of God? And therefore, there's special strictures that go with the body of a saved person that doesn't go with the body of an unsaved person. The body becomes sacred. The body becomes holy. And there are guidelines about how that body is to be treated because it is the temple of God. And this is where some of the standards of life and separation from uh, worldly actions has to do with this subject right here of the body being the temple of God. So be that as it may, uh, the consummating form of the coming of the kingdom of God is delayed. And the complete revelation of the glory of the kingdom of God is delayed. He tried to tell them that the coming of the visible kingdom due to their unbelief is delayed. And he did talk to them and explain this to them. And this delay can be seen. Uh, we're going to look at it in just a moment. In fact, uh, it's also seen in the 70th week of Daniel. Now, we're not going to get off into that right now. But the, the, the 69 weeks come, and then there's a delay before the 70th week, and it parallels exactly what Jesus Christ himself said, which we're going to look at right now. So let's listen to Jesus. Jesus is speaking, and we are reading from Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, Here's why he spake this parable. Because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. To appear means to come visibly. Notice this scripture. 
Jesus is speaking the parable that we're going to look at in just a moment here. He is speaking this parable because they thought the hearers, the Pharisees, the disciples, whoever was listening, they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Appear there means to come visibly. So that means that they thought the geopolitical, physical aspect of the kingdom was going to come very, very quick. He knew that this was not going to happen because when they reject the king, then they are not going to get the kingdom. And so he said, therefore, and then he gave this parable, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself what? A kingdom, okay? And to return. Now, the certain nobleman is himself. But he said this nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. This matches John 14 and 1, where Jesus says, I go to prepare you a place. And so he goes to receive for himself a kingdom. If you want to parse this out a little bit uh, into the theological components of this, this is talking about when Jesus, after his death, burial, and resurrection, uh, he is resurrected, and then the Bible says he is glorified. And the glorification of Jesus is the universal announcement that he is now the ruler over the universe, the ruler over the kingdom that the Father at the appointed time is now announcing that the Son is the household leader of the house. And of course, we're not talking about God announcing God here. We're talking about Father as his God, um, as his divinity, and we're talking about Son as the human second Adam, the last man, that because Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And as fully man, through his death, burial, and resurrection, he has effected and brought and triumphed over evil and brought uh, victory and hope for mankind and hope that they can embrace this kingdom at some point. And so here is, he goes into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. So now, this is what we do right now in the church age. He has gone to receive a kingdom. So what do we do during this time? We occupy till he comes. Now, occupy is a, is a verb, and occupy has both a uh, maintenance definition as well as uh, an advancement definition. Maintenance means you have, you have this farm, you have this enterprise, this business that belongs to the father, and he is gone, the owner. And so in that, he says, Occupy. Don't lose what I've given to you. 
If you're talking about the church, you're talking don't lose the doctrine, don't lose the truth, don't lose the spirit, don't lose the fellowship, don't lose the hope, don't, on and on. And so the other thing, though, and many of us may be better at that first one, which is kind of passive in terms of military advancement, taking territory. But the other meaning of occupy is to advance, to occupy territory that previously the enemy occupied. And so this shows for us right here without one word. It gives us a, a, a really clear and concise definition of what we are supposed to be doing while the kingdom to come, the eternal kingdom that's going to come, is delayed. What are we supposed to do while Jesus is gone to a far country? Well, he's telling us here what we're supposed to do. We're to occupy till he comes. And this is what we are doing now. The Bible says, though, but his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man reign over us. All right. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, he has not done that yet. But when he returns, having received the kingdom, then he commanded the servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. And he said unto him, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, hast thou authority over 10 cities. So get this. So while he's gone, he has given all of us a variance of different talents, skills, gifts, and commensurate responsibilities. They are considered in the bigger picture to be authority on a, uh, and responsibility on a level that is uh, smaller, but involved with it is a critical test it's a critical test of what we are doing right now with the authority that God has given to each of us. And so here this guy who had been given one talent is now taken it and made 10 and so or, or 10 pounds. And so when he takes those 10 pounds and returns them and reports in, the reward to that is exponential by proving that he is able to govern the one pound that was given to him. He has proven that he has what it takes to govern 10 cities. Notice that when we talk about being given 10 cities, we are into government. And the Bible tells us clearly in 1 Corinthians, as well as other places, that we are going to judge the world and that we will also judge angels. So here is an example of judging in the world. All right, and the second came saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because 
Thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and you reap where you have not sown. And he saith unto him, here's the master talking to this man who did not occupy, he, 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 didn't, he didn't invest what he had on the home front. And so the master says, out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I had not laid down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own at least with interest, with usury. Now, this is a sobering story because it's talking about the time that we are in, that the kingdom's been delayed, and during this church age, we have here explicit instructions to occupy till I come. How do we occupy? We occupy in the spiritual component of his kingdom that is already here in advancing it and protecting it, both sides of it. And now when this man did not produce anything from that which he was given, if there's any inflation, that means he actually lost, he said unto them that stood by, listen to this, take from him the pound and give it to him that hath 10 pounds. And they say unto him, Lord, he hath 10 pounds. Listen closely. For I say unto you that unto everyone which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not even that he hath shall be taken away from him. So let, let, let's just stop here and look at this for a minute. So this means we have to learn this important lesson. So let's lecture here a little bit about the church. We have to learn the important lesson that the only way to get is to have. And the only way to have is to risk and to invest. Life is filled with risk. There's no such thing as a life lived, really lived, that does not confront the challenges of our vulnerabilities and of our uh, the possibilities of us being hurt or defeated in our efforts. And so we have to overcome that. When we do that, we are proving ourselves as leaders, as people that can govern, people that can make good decisions, people that are sound of mind, people that are not filled with bitterness and animosities and vitriol that just runs out of them everywhere, people that are not stumbling around, not taking time for self-development, little preaching here going on. And so, not only does the man that had one lose his one pound, but he watches as it is given to him that hath ten pounds. The way to get is not to cower in fear, but the one that has the most is proven that he will take care of what he's given. So the master of the house says, I want my stuff taken care of. I want my stuff invested. I want return on my stuff. And I want profit on my stuff. And so he gives it to him that hath the most. Now, those that oppose the whole process, he says to them, but those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, reign over them. Listen to the language. 
that he, they would not that I should reign over them. This isn't just a householder. This is a kingdom. Those that would not that I would reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He's talking about the Passover. I will not eat thereof anymore until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is still ahead. You can tell the way he's talking. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine unto the kingdom until the kingdom of God shall come. Listen to this language. And I appoint unto you a kingdom. These were not at this time in that kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom in its full consummating form. They weren't in the kingdom. As his father hath appointed unto him, he says, that ye may eat and drink at my table in at the table in my kingdom and set on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Clearly, I mean, unmistakably, while Jesus is here, king of the world, he's also judging here the 12 tribes of Israel. We, his disciples, judge angels in the kingdom to come. And there will be judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So, this is obviously, we're not in that age right now. I mean, you, when you read that, it's obvious that we're not in that age. The church age is not the kingdom age to come. The, the church age is what Jesus very clearly just described to us here. While he is going away to receive a kingdom and has not yet returned, I mean, this is pretty clear. This is Jesus giving this parable. While he has not yet returned, he says, here's what you do until I return. And so this is what the church is doing, is occupying till he comes.